60,000 is brought to you in part by RP Funding. RP Funding Inc. is licensed and can offer loans in Alabama, Arkansas, Florida, Kentucky, Louisiana, North Carolina, Ohio, Oklahoma, South Carolina, Tennessee, Texas, Virginia, and West Virginia, and is also licensed by the Mississippi Department of Banking and Consumer Finance and by the Pennsylvania Department of Banking and Securities. Office is located at 500 Wonderly Place, Suite 300, Maitland, Florida, 32751. Telephone 321-397-4420. RP Funding's nationwide mortgage licensing system ID number is 70168, and Robert Palmer's NMLS ID number is 76197. We're saving thousands with Robert Palmer. Robert Palmer is the consumer empowering voice taking the mystery and the intimidation out of every facet of your financial world. See, each and every one of us, no matter how much we make, each and every one of us can fall prey to big financial institutions and their tricks. Oftentimes, we can fall prey to a sales pitch. Oftentimes, we can put our money into places where it's not working for us. And so too often, we're kind of like a zombie. We're kind of like bouncing from late notice to late notice to, oh, they charged me too much fees here, but I don't know how to get that money back and entering into contracts that are long-term. they end up tying up our money for things like cellular phones and cable service or dish, whatever it is. We find ourselves needing a set of rules. Well, Robert Palmer does that every day on the radio. He gives you the guidelines. He kind of sets up your future for you. So you've got some guidelines. You've got the GPS in your handle. You know, somebody asked me the other day what our shows were like and what RP funding and the Robert Palmer family of companies is like. And I said, you ever see that Swiffer commercial where the guy's looking at all the dust and dirt in his house? And in this case, that would be your money problems, right? And all of a sudden on the front porch, there's this box. Well, that's kind of what we do. We deliver to you kind of like if you walked off the stage at graduation, they would hand you a box. And in that box would be books and links to articles and radio shows and it would be entitled, these are things we didn't have time to teach you in high school and college. And so that would be, you know, setting up bank accounts, credit cards, refis, mortgages, security deposits, all of those things that come along in our life that we weren't ready for. Well, we get you ready for it right here. So today we're going to kick off the show. And Robert Palmer, how do you want to kick it off today? Let's recap the rules, Rob. We've, we've talked right. about these. Uh, rule number one, always shop around all purchases, banks, ATM fees, credit cards, mortgages, life insurance, car insurance. I could go on and on. Rule number one here on saving thousands is always shop around. Rule number two is know your numbers. All right, know your numbers. This is your credit score. We've talked a lot about that this week, how to dispute Mm -hmm. items. Uh, Your home value, home value hotline, we'll get into that here in a little bit. Uh, The balances on your cards, the interest rates on your cards, car loans, mortgages, everything. Uh, So you've got to know your numbers. All right, rule number three is the three-day rule. Uh, This is the pledge that all of us financial ninjas here on the Saving Thousands Radio Network, before we take on any type of major purchase or before we apply for any type of credit or take out any type of new loan, we are going to think about it for three days. All right. This was uh, this used to be a rule that was used in dating and one that I, I've inaccurately tried to use on my now wife. Wow. And uh, But it's much better when applied to finance, not so good when applied to romance. So three-day rule. We're going to wait three days uh, before we make any decisions on a large purchase. And it really does empower you. When you're sitting there with that pushy sales guy and he's like, you know, when he leans in and he, he offers you the pen, right? You know, like like <laughs> these these 1960s closing techniques. Like, oh, would you like to use my pen or your pen? I don't need a pen at all. Thank you. I'm going to wait three days before I make a decision. You know, well, well, what can we do to get you to commit today? You can't do anything to get me to commit today because I'm going to wait three days because I listen to Robert Palmer on the Saving Thousands Radio Network and I'm going to follow the three-day rule. So it's a good way for you to push off that pushy sales guy. It's a good way to push off that that clerk in line at the department store who's trying to sell you a high interest rate credit card. Would you like to sign up for your whatever card today to save 20%? I would love to, but I have to take that pamphlet, go home and read it, and wait three days and make a decision. And if I still think it's a good idea, I will come back here and buy more of your glop or whatever it is I'm buying, and I will get the <laughs> discount then. So that's the uh, that's the three-day rule. That's the, the first three rules we talk about a lot. Uh, so moving on, maybe some new territories from our listeners. Uh, rule number four... Uh, is we are not going to abuse credit, but we're not going to fear it either. All right, so Very important. don't abuse credit. This is big, you know, but don't fear it either. The The solution is not to just have no credit. The solution is not to bury your head in the sand and be afraid of credit and, and think that you can get through life with nothing and no credit score. Because let me tell you, where, where maybe 10 or 15 years ago you could, mm-hmm. uh, we are moving more and more and more toward a society where the credit score is used in so many parts of your life, from insurance to any type of business, financing. I mean, there's just so many ways that score is being used uh, that you can't ignore it. And, and you know, we, 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 we maybe had a chance as consumers to fight this trend. That ship has sailed. Uh, it is getting more and more mass appeal to businesses and to all aspects of our life. 
So we can't be afraid of credit. The other reason is there's ways you can take advantage of credit and you can make money. You can arbitrage. You can, uh, you know, you can take advantage of that six months interest free and then invest your money in, in a mutual fund and, and make some cash. You can you can take advantage of that that car deal where it's six months interest free and put your money to work somewhere else. Uh, there you can take advantage of those airline miles. You know, I get a couple of nice vacations a year off of my American Express points. Uh, and if I was afraid of credit, see, I, I've got the money. I don't have to use credit. I could pay cash for everything. I could use a debit card for everything. That's another issue we've talked about is yeah. the risks of using a debit. I may have to make that a well, rule, Rob. That just we need to put that financial up. ninjas don't use debit cards. I think I may jump out there and be that bold with it. Um, so all these things, you can't be afraid of credit, right? It just it doesn't work. And uh, so what I'm going to do here on the show is I'm going to teach you how to use credit to your advantage. That's what we do. But you've, you've got to have it. You can't uh, a life with zero debt uh, with zero credit just doesn't work in today's society. Now, I'm not saying be a slave to debt. I'm not saying bury yourself, but you know, there's some great tax benefits to having a mortgage. There's a lot of benefits to using credit cards and then just paying them off every month. If you pay them in full every month during the grace period, you haven't cost yourself any interest, but you're able to take advantage of the miles or the the rebates, the, the protections, right? There's all these great things there. So that's rule number four. Don't abuse credit, but don't fear it either. Uh, rule number five is if you know their tricks, they won't work, right? And so, so for this, you know, I, I really do believe, and I know from experience that big financial services companies absolutely use tricks uh, to try to confuse us and get us to overspend, get us to not pay our bills on time. Uh, you know, we talked about the trick of, of trying to get consumers to go paperless. You know, they want you to, to give up getting paper statements and deliver them to you electronically because then they can hide all the disclosures. That's the trick. Because then you don't know how much money you could save by paying it off in three years instead of 20 years by only sending in an extra $10 a month. You know, these, these are the tricks. They want you to sign up for that credit card in line when you're not paying attention, when you're not asking questions like, what's the annual fee? What's the APR? They want you to float that mortgage rate. They want you to not lock in. They want to let you float around out there and flop around as a floater, you know, who has no control of their destiny and give them all the power back. That's one of the tricks. And as a consumer, if we know the tricks, they don't work anymore. They can't trick us if we know what they're trying to do. So rule number five, if you know their tricks, they don't work. Well, if you're just tuning in, you're saving thousands with Robert Palmer. And Robert has already started going through the saving thousands rules to success. If you'd like to follow along during today's program, because we're going to be looking at more rules coming up and the reasons behind them. But if you want to follow along, just go to savingthousands.com. That's savingthousands.com. And at the top of the page, you'll see a tab that says the rules. Well, click on the rules and you'll see all 15 of them, okay? And you can follow right along. Hey, Robert, it's fun to know that our network of information, our network of empowerment is growing. There's new websites up that we'll talk about later, but also RP Funding and the Robert Palmer family of companies is growing to offer more services to our listeners out there more services to the people of this country, and, of course, more jobs. I just got this from a, a newspaper in Jacksonville, and congratulations. I knew this was happening, but it's always exciting to read the headlines. And this headline was all about the fact that RP funding is expanding into Bay Meadows, an area of Jacksonville, putting together a facility to house 150 to 175 employees, 26,000 square feet, option on more. And this is going to mean jobs. It's going to mean financial programs for folks, and it will be servicing, processing, underwriting, and closing mortgage loans and refis. Congratulations on that, Robert. Well, I'll tell you what, let's continue with our saving thousands rules to success. Rule number six, uh, you've got to spread your knowledge. You've got to educate your friends and family. You know, for so long, money and finance and credit scores was this taboo and, and nobody wanted to talk about it. And, and I think the, the newer generation, the younger generation coming up is more open to talking about it. You know, that there's no, there's no shame there. There's, I mean, why, why are we afraid to talk about it? And I honestly believe that this fear, this taboo was created by big financial services companies, the financial services industry, because by keeping us from being willing to talk about it, the tricks will work more. They can confuse us more. We don't have the power of, of our core group and our support group and our friends and family knowing what's going on. You know, no one wants to tell their friends and family they have a bad credit score. But if you told them, then maybe they can help you fix it. You know, they can help you make better decisions. 
No one wants to talk about where they are financially, how much money they make, all these things in their lives. But if we talk about it, we can make better financial decisions. We can be a financial core group. Uh, you know, Rob, when I was a kid, my mom brought home her paycheck in cash and showed me, showed me, this is the, son, this is what I get every month, this stack of money right here, and I'm going to show you where it goes. And there's a lot of parents that are probably just appalled at that. Why, you would tell your kid how much money you make. You would show your child what your finances looked like. And one of the best things that she ever did for me. I mean, if you want to talk about an education and, and mm -hmm. why do I understand so much about this? Well, being exposed to it at a young age and seeing the real world numbers and watching her take the pile of cash, which to me is uh, however old I was, you know, 9, 10, seemed like all the money in the world. And then watching the pile for income tax and the pile for rent or for the mortgage and the pile for the credit cards and the pile for food and the pile for car insurance. And all of a sudden there was nothing left. And that huge pile of money that seemed like to a little kid a fortune was gone, gone right there in one month, gone. And uh, and if we don't talk about it, if we don't spread our knowledge, if we don't share this with our friends, if we don't tell our friends about resources like this radio show, and we don't tell our friends about the things we learned and about the rules and, and to shop around and to wait three days and to know our numbers, we're doing them a huge disservice. And so we've got to stop this taboo. We've got to break through. We've got to be stronger consumers. We've got to take back the power and rule number six is spread that knowledge. You know, share it with your friends and family. Don't be afraid to talk about this stuff. Uh, rule number seven, uh, this is a big one. So rule number seven is if you own or run a business, be transparent with your customers. Amen. Right? So uh, if, if I can reach, uh, I, don't know, I think we have like 100, 120,000 listeners a week uh, here on the Saving Thousands Radio Network. Mm -hmm. So if I can reach 100, 120,000 people and get them to, to follow these rules, that's uh, that's big. But if I can reach some business owners or some business managers, some people who have the power to take their business down a different path uh, where they they encourage their consumer to shop around. They encourage their consumer to rate through. I mean, rate through. Imagine if you you went to that car dealership and they said, okay, sir, uh, yeah, we, we know you want to buy this car. We want you to go home three days and think about it and make sure it's the right decision for you, right? I mean, some sales manager just jumped out of his window just hearing <laughs> yeah, me say that. Right. But, you know, these are the types of things that, that if businesses buy into, then the other however many million people that don't listen to me can benefit as well. Mm -hmm. and, and so, you know, rule number seven is about spreading. It's my way to spread this knowledge by encouraging business owners and business managers to run their business like I do in a way that puts consumers first and in a way that reinforces the rules and the principles we teach here on the Saving Thousands Radio Network. Uh, rule number nine is uh, practice what you learn and always learn more. So this is this is one of yours, Rob. Rob Newton contributed this one. Uh, if you don't practice it, what's the point? I mean, yeah. if you're not going to do this stuff, if you're not going to shop around, if you're not going to know your numbers, if you're not going to wait three days, if you're not going to, you know, refuse to abuse credit, and if you're going to fear credit, and if you don't want to know their tricks, and if you do know them, you're still going to let them pull them on you, then what do you go flip over to classic rock or uh, pop music or something? I mean, what? why are you wasting your time listening to me if you're not going to put this stuff into practice? So rule number eight is practice what you learn, and you've always got to learn more. I am a, I am a constant student. I can still learn, you know, and I, I think... No matter how big my company is, no matter how much I do and how much I know, I can always learn more. And there's always someone I can learn from. And I'm always reading books and I'm always listening to other shows and I'm, I'm always trying to educate myself. And, and I think that's an important rule. So that's number eight. Practice what you learn and always learn more. And then rule number nine is share your successes. Uh, so this is different. So sharing the knowledge, right? Sharing the knowledge is about telling other people what, what's going on and, and, and sharing the, the resources and a way to learn. Sharing your successes is when you then go back and say, hey, you know what? I did some of this stuff and I actually saved some money. You know, Rob, you've told me some stories before of, you know, when we first went on the radio together and, and you know, you tried some of the stuff I was talking about. And, and I did. And you saved some money. I tell you what, and I just tried some the other day. One of the things that Robert always talks about from the earliest days we were on radio together, seven some years ago, and that was going back to shopping around. And so the other day I did my financial house cleaning. I had kind of a light day. And uh, so what I did was when I got home from this job, I went over all the bills. And the next day when I had an hour or two, I contacted every one of those suppliers. The first one was the cable guy. And I ended up doing what Robert Palmer taught me to do. And I said, please tell me the plan I'm under because I'm up for the year's contract in 30 days. So let's not wait till the last day. Let's start today. Well, Mr. Newton, we don't need to do that. No, you're you're okay. No, you're all right. They, I want, said, you no. to, they want you to float. <laughs> yeah, I said, no, <laughs> I'm not all right because I don't want to be surprised in 30 days by you renewing a contract. So, Robert, in short, here's what happened. I insisted right then that we discussed every tier of channels I get. What they did was they went ahead and gave me three more tiers of channels for the same money I'm spending today. Had I not shopped around, I never would have got that. Never. So I did that with my cable. 
and then I went to Verizon, and then I went to my other bills, and I beat them all three, thanks Perfect. to you. Perfect. See, this is what this is what sharing your successes, rule number nine, is all about. Because when your friends and family and other listeners hear that this stuff does work and that you did try it and that you don't have to be a financial guru, you don't have to be the owner of a big company, you don't have to be a mortgage guy, you don't have to be a financial guy, you don't have to be a talk show host on the radio to do these things. Anybody can do them. And so you've got to share your successes because that's what's going to help us spread this culture to other people. Mm-hmm. Because what really makes the whole Saving Thousands Charter powerful is when enough consumers are following it that businesses have to change and businesses have to react and businesses have to stop the abusive practices that they've gotten so good at, right? Because we're done as consumers. We're not going to do it anymore. We're not going to put up with it. We're going to follow the rules and we're going to only want to work with businesses who encourage people to follow the rules. And it's going to be this whole revolution. And so you've got to share your successes. Other people have to be aware and have to know that this is working for you because that's going to be their motivation to do better and to be smarter and to stop being a financial zombie and to stop meandering around out there floating in a raft with no anchor and and becoming a financial ninja and making good decisions. And I think maybe we need to add a rule somewhere along the line. Maybe it's going to be rule number 38. I don't know. Never take no, the first no for, a, for an answer because the first thing when I talked to the cable was, no, we can't change anything now. Oh, they ended up changing a lot before the conversation was over. Right. But first they said no. So when you first call a, a bank for a refi or you first call an auto place and you say, here's the car I want and I want it for this price. The first thing they're going to say is, well, come down and we'll talk about that's it. That's right. And that's pretty much as a no. That's kind of like your mom saying, ask your dad or we'll see. That's it. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, it, it is. It's, 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 and so imagine this. Imagine if they called you and said, hey, Mr. Newton, we noticed you've been a loyal customer and, you know, your renewal's up in two months and we'd like to give you some free channels. You know, and, and then they sit back and say, well, God, we would lose all this money. How could we ever do that? And what I've proven in my business and my argument is that you will gain so many happy customers. And, and they and, tell you know, everybody else. And then they, exactly. You know, and if you look, you know, if you look, if you take cable TV, for an example, uh, you know, their their practices is what led to the rise of DirecTV and AT&T mm-hmm. U-verse and, and Fios and all these others. If, if, they, if they did a great job, because the, the product is the same. Right. I mean, TV is really TV. I mean, there's really I mean, other than NFL, NFL Sunday ticket on direct TV, there's not a whole lot of differences. It comes down to how you treat your customer It's service. And, and so if they treated everybody right, yeah, they would not be able to gouge us on the premium channels. But if they had 30 percent more subscribers because they did it the right way, then they wouldn't need to gouge anybody on on the you know, on those extra channels. And that's the philosophy I took. And yeah, I know it's scary. And a lot of businesses are going to sit back and say, well, that would never work for us. There's a car dealer saying, oh, if I told everybody to go wait three days, I'd never sell another car. And I argue, no, if you've got a good product at a good price, you'll sell a lot more of it. Because, I mean, they're going to tell their friend, hey, this crazy car guy, he told me to go home for three days and sleep on it. He told me to go check out the competitor and see what their price is. And he told me to go test drive the Honda, even though he's selling Kias, and to make sure I didn't like it better. And I liked his the best, so I'm going back, and I'm going to tell all my friends. And I, I, I would guarantee you, as counterintuitive as it seems to him, they would sell more cars. Now, they're not going to make as much money per car because, you know, what a lot of companies, they live to take advantage of that one poor guy who doesn't shop around, yeah. right? And so don't let that be you, right? <laughs> don't let don't let you be the poor sucker who didn't shop around who gets taken advantage of. But that's how a lot of businesses run. That's how the mortgage industry is, and that's how I was in a lot of years of my career. Uh, but when you realize that by not doing that, by giving everybody a great deal and caring about every consumer and taking care of every consumer, uh, the benefits of the word of mouth and, and of the – you know, the, the the fact that people do trust you and do want to do business with you and it's not this adversarial relationship where, you know, you go high five your sales manager because you got him and then he goes home and is so upset because he realizes he got taken three days later when he realizes what he could have gotten the car for or what rate he could have gotten or, or how many fees he paid. They're going to hate you. And, and you do not want past customers hating you. That's not good business. That's right. That's not good business at all. Well, again, Robert's talking a lot today about the Saving Thousands Rules to Success. Where did these rules come from? Well, I'll tell you where they came from. Robert Palmer has been in the mortgage industry throughout his professional career, from working for other mortgage companies to finally about nine years ago, starting his own mortgage company with some really revolutionary ideas. But all along the way, think of the tens and thousands of credit applications Robert's looked at. Think about the conversations he'd had with people who really, really want to buy a home, okay? Think about all of the credit scores that he's had to analyze. And when you think about all that, you're going to see that out of all of these discussions, out of all of this research, 
became a common thread. And that was the mistakes people make, the tricks they fall prey to, and yet the good practices that come along, you know, that can be the difference between a 500 credit score and an 800 credit score. It's not all that hard. This isn't brain surgery, as I say. This is actually following some really cool rules. They can be your GPS for where you want to go, and that's financial empowerment. So if you're a financial zombie, admittedly, and you know you want to be empowered and be a ninja in finances, use the GPS. And that GPS is like the one in your car. This one is the one attached to your dollars. And this is going to get you where you want to go. So that's where the saving thousands rules came from. And that's where the radio shows come from. That's where the articles come from. And that's where everything that happens with our websites, our radio shows, Robert's books, Robert's articles, his seminars that he teaches, all of this is about empowering you. So now let's look at the facts. When Robert Palmer started his mortgage company some nine years ago, he came out blasting on the radio. The first thing he was doing was saying, I'm not going to charge any lender fees. People in the mortgage industry said he was crazy. Robert, they said to me, I was hosting your shows. And they said, well, that show is not going to last long. You can't be in the mortgage business without charging lender fees. And you always told me, oh, yes, I can. Nine years later, you still have no lender fees. How can you afford to do it? We make plenty of money off of servicing the mortgages. All right. right? And so, and here's the cool thing. No matter what interest rate we give you, we get paid the same thing for servicing. Uh, we Fannie Mae pays us a quarter point for servicing. Like that, that's how it works. Okay. And so on a $200,000 loan, we make 500 bucks a year roughly in servicing. So if you keep that loan for 10 years, that's $5,000. That's a lot of money. And so what I'm yeah. banking on right now is that because interest rates are so low, the mortgages we are making to people today, they're going to keep for much longer than what Wall Street thinks they're going to traditionally keep. Think. You know, because when they build these models, they, they think you're going to pay the mortgage off in three or four years. And that's how they value the servicing asset. When in reality, because rates are so low, these are mortgages people are going to keep for a long, long time. They should. So I'm banking on that, and that's why we're doing this whole deal. I'm paying the closing costs. We're giving people great low rates. Uh, we're keeping, I think we kept like 80% of our loans last month, Rob. So we're really? we're okay. keeping and collecting the payments on most of our loans now. We're building our servicing portfolio. A lot of exciting stuff going on. So if you need that strong, validated pre-approval, if you're buying a home and you want that strong, validated pre-approval that doesn't have any lender fees attached to it, so you have the best chance of getting your home offer accepted, 855-773-8634. Or if you're refinancing, there's still money left in that $2.5 million pot that I pulled out of the advertising budget to pay all of your closing costs. So there's never any lender fees. But right now on refinances, I pay all of the closing costs using the $2.5 bucks out of my advertising budget. Uh, that's going on. Again, 855-773-8634, 855-RP-Funding. Uh, give us a call. I'd love to help you either way. You know, while, while I do come here on the radio to talk about credit cards and student loans and FICO scores and everything else, uh, my core business is RP Funding. We're a mortgage company, and we would love to help you either buying a home or refinancing, 855-773-8634. I do want you to shop around. That's rule number one. So right. whether you're calling me or calling somebody else, you've got to follow the rules here on the Saving Thousands Radio Network. Rule number one is always shop around. Uh, get two or three quotes. Put them side by side. Make sure you're getting the best deal and know your numbers know what your fico score is going in don't let anybody take advantage of you so earlier in the show robert i directed people to savingthousands.com so they could follow along on the rules and as they uh, scroll down on that page they're going to self-discover how much more empowerment is there in the saving thousand site but we also have some other sites i'm thinking of a state of eyes a state of eyes which is carrying a really informative article on TRID. Well, Robert, you talked to our audience about two months ago that the coming of TRID would be the coming of changes in the financial industry. And you told us that some institutions just wouldn't be able to make the transition as fast as others. And I almost laughed this past Saturday. I was driving through Florida and I was listening to a financial show. This featured a real estate company and some other associated companies. And it came time that there was a question about this new regulation package from the government that kind of gives new guidelines to mortgages. And it's revolutionary. First thing since 1976 that the federal government has made a big, major change in financing. So as you had forecast, here's the people on this radio show. And they're talking about the fact that now, ooh, you need to allow more time to close because most companies are having problems doing a TRID loan. 
They're, they have to change their, their ways they do things in the office. They have to change their forms. Their computer algorithms have to change. Well, you warned us back then this would happen. But at the same time, RP Funding, your mortgage company, was already using the TRID system in classes, in seminars, and learning the system. So as they were going about their daily job under their old system, they were actually also in their mind using the new TRID system at the same time. So folks, I'm proud to say Robert doesn't blow his own horn. So I'll say it for him. When TRID came along in October, Robert Palmer was one of the first companies, RP Funding, to close a TRID loan. And from day one, the day of application, through the day of closing, was it 60 to 70 days? No. Was it 30 days? No. It was 10 days. So RP Funding was ready, and they're ready for you right now. Okay, Robert, back a few moments ago, we left off with rule number nine. Let's go on to rule number 10. All right, rule number 10. This is a big one. This is a big one. I want you to have a savings account equal to three, your last three months of gross pay. Gross pay, all right? Last three months. Why is it the last three months? Well, this is constantly changing. If you work more overtime, if you get bonuses, if you get a raise, your last three months checks will be bigger, which means I want you to save more money, mm -hmm. right? And uh, so that, that's rule number 10. Our, our savings account equal to our last three months of gross pay. This is going to set us up uh, to be able to survive any downturns, any hardships, any layoffs, any problems we may come across. Rule number 11, we do not gamble with the essentials, right? So guess what? That savings account, our retirement accounts, we are not going to gamble this money on risky stocks, right? If anything, I want you to put it into exchange-traded funds, ETFs, kind of like mutual funds. They follow the indexes, right? So you're basically investing in the, the Dow Jones, right? Or you're investing in the, uh, the S&P 500, uh, a large, large swath of companies. So there's less volatility. A lot of it I want you to just have in a savings account, but we're not going to gamble with the essentials, right? We're not going to get a hot stock tip on a company called Enron and stick our retirement account into it or our three months of savings into it, right? We're not going to do those things. The other thing we're not going to gamble with is an interest rate lock when we're buying a house. So this is a big one. A lot of people don't understand how this works. When you go and apply for a mortgage, uh, you have to, your interest rate can change up until you lock it in, right? You lock in that interest rate. Mm -hmm. it, it's, it does exactly what it sounds like. When you lock in your interest rate, that's now the rate you're going to get at closing. Uh, and you should get a written agreement from the lender. So all that initial paperwork you get with a rate on it doesn't mean anything. They can send you a quote with a rate on it. They can send you an application with a rate on it. None of that is binding until they send you a rate lock agreement with a rate on it. Well, guess what, Rob? We have seen rates go crazy and go up over the last four days. Yes, sir. Okay, last five days, all last week. So a lot of people who did not lock in, who did not lock their rate in, who maybe didn't even know you had to lock your rate in, right? They call a mortgage guy up and he says, oh yeah, we got a great rate today. It's XYZ. Oh, great. Uh, but they don't ask the question, am I locked into that? Have, can I lock that now? What's the deal? And so then all of a sudden we have a week like last week where rates go up and now the guy's calling you saying, oh, sorry, today the rate's higher. What do you mean? You told me it was XYZ. Well, you didn't lock it in. You should have locked it in. So this is the game a lot of mortgage companies play. Uh, at my mortgage company, we lock everybody in up front. We don't play this game. I, I, I force you to follow rule number 11 when you do business with my mortgage company. <laughs> I lock you in up front. There's, there's no question. There's no debate about it. I make you lock in because I'm not going to gamble with the essentials. I'm going to follow rule number 11. But a lot of people don't. And a lot of mortgage companies will encourage you not to lock in because it's a way for them to take the power away from you as a consumer, right? So you're following rule number one, you're shopping around, and you have someone who quotes you the best interest rate. If you don't lock that rate in, they can bait and switch you the day before closing. Or if rates go up, rates go down, whatever, you're at their mercy because you can't reshop around right before closing. So for most people, it takes you know 30 days to close on the mortgage. So if you don't lock the rate in, you are gambling with your interest rate during that entire 30 days, right up until the day of closing. So it's very important to make sure you lock your rate in. This all falls under rule number 11. Don't gamble with the essentials. So we're not going to put our retirement accounts or savings accounts into risky investments. Uh, we're going to lock our interest rate in up front to make sure we don't gamble with our mortgage payments. Uh, this all falls under rule number 11. Don't gamble with the essentials. Rule number 12, you got to check references. Okay. So as we're shopping around as we're out there being financial ninjas, as we're looking at new insurance companies, new mortgage companies, whatever, new real estate agents, we got to check references. And the best way to check references is good old Google, right? We're going to go into Google and we're going to type in the company's name followed by the word scam. And we're going to hit search and we're going to read. We're going to type in the company's name followed by reviews. We're going to hit search. We're going to read. We're going to type in the company's name followed by BBB or Better Business Bureau. We're going to read. We're going to type in the company's name followed by complaints. We're going to hit search and we're going to read. And here's what I will tell you. Uh, a company who has just tons and tons of negative reviews and they never respond to them and they don't seem to do any better, uh, you want to watch out for them. The other thing is a company who doesn't have any negative reviews, like this is always suspicious to me, Rob. 
You'll see these companies where they have like tons and tons of positive reviews all from the same day uh-huh. and then haven't had any sense and haven't had any. To me, this is an indication of a company that doesn't do very much business, right? Uh, they, they don't really do any business. They're trying to fabricate the feeling that they do business when they don't. And so this is something big to look out for. I, I personally look for a company that has a couple negatives. Nobody can make everybody happy all the time. You know, even you look at the, the most powerful brands in the, in the country and the, the companies who are constantly rated as being the most consumer friendly, they have complaints. Not every consumer is going to be happy every time. So if you have a company uh, with no negative reviews, it either means they're being hidden, right? There was a big, uh, there's big, big stuff on it. It's about Zillow, Rob. So apparently, <laughs> apparently uh, mortgage companies who pay Zillow a lot of money, Zillow will delete their negative reviews. Oh, really? Uh, and so I, I've read a couple of these because some of the people who have left the, rev- the negative reviews on these big mortgage companies, uh, and I don't, I don't have any Zillow reviews. I don't, I don't believe in it. I don't think it's a good system. Uh, my mortgage company doesn't advertise with Zillow. We don't have a Zillow profile. We don't really do anything with Zillow uh, from a review standpoint because I'm not a, a fan of how their system works uh, because the, these big companies that pay them a lot of money to buy leads, they will delete the negative reviews. And I just, I don't think that's a good system. It's not something I'm going to be a part of. Uh, but I, I found on the internet where there are people who had their review deleted from Zillow, so then they go post it other places where Zillow can't find it and delete it and talk about the fact that Zillow deleted their reviews. Mm. So when a company has nothing but positive reviews, I'm always suspicious uh, because it, it's just, it's, it's a part of doing business. Not yeah. everybody's going to be happy. I mean, we you can try your hardest. Trust me, I know. I try my hardest to make sure every person is 100% happy and we do customer surveys and we, we base our bonuses on customer satisfaction surveys, but there are still people that get upset. And we try to do our best to fix it and make it right. But I just, I can't personally believe in a company and trust a company's reviews if they don't have any negative ones. It just, uh, I just don't think it's possible. I don't think it's possible to make every single consumer happy every single time, uh, unless you're doing almost, unless you're doing no volume. You know, if, if you're doing one transaction a year, then then maybe. So that's rule number 12. And then rule number 13, if you do own or run a business, be transparent with your consumers. Uh, run your business in a way that someone who follows the 13 rules here on the Saving Thousands Radio Network can be proud to do business with you. Okay, I'm going to let Robert catch his breath for a moment here, and I want to talk about a couple of things. One is customer service. Another is saving loans, all right? They kind of go hand in hand right here at RP Funding because, you know, I've always known, since I met Robert nine years ago, I've always known that customer service was really high on his list of priorities. Matter of fact, it's right at the top. So I really became familiar with this, when I was allowed to move into Robert Palmer Studios full-time to do these radio shows and some other things that we do. So our studio is right at the entrance of the mortgage company. And that's where you see customer service being introduced. People are a little intimidated. They're a little bit scared of a mortgage transaction, mainly because they don't know what to expect. Well, with all of our publications, all the websites, all the radio shows, you're coming in better armed than ever before. But some people still have a little trepidation. So they come in the office and suddenly they're met with warmth. They're met with new friends. They're met with people, even at the front desk, who go out of their way to make sure that you're welcome, to make sure that you know that you're now part of a family that's going to look out for you, that's not going to pull any tricks on you, that's going to be with you all the way through the mortgage operation, all the way through to the closing, and then someday a refi. Because Robert designed the company that way. Not only base pay, but incentive bonuses based on surveys. Surveys that you take throughout the process, just responding to how well you're being treated. And if there's a problem, believe me, Robert Palmer will become personally involved. I've seen him do it. So that very seldom happens, if ever. So I get to see the people as they come in, as that they then visit a few times, exchange paperwork, and then I see them for the closing. Wow, are they happy. And nine times out of 10, they're walking out of the office arm in arm with the loan officer. It doesn't get any better than that. And when it comes to saving loans, we've had a lot of people that have gone to a different mortgage company to try to get their loan and the loan falls apart at the last four or five days. And Robert Palmer RP Funding has been able to come along and rescue that loan. That's customer service. That's dependability. And that's being a good neighbor. Okay, Robert, once people do get that mortgage from RP Funding, You give them a fixed rate for 30 years, but then along the line later, they are able to make a slight change in that mortgage. It's going to save them big money. Tell us about it. What what I found in all my experience, I mean, I've been working with people on mortgages and and really living in this world for a long time. And and when people buy the right amount of home up front, uh, they don't. They don't move out as quickly. They don't leave as quickly, right? Uh, you know, so if, if you, I mean, I don't know that we even have that many two-bedroom, two-bath houses out there anymore. They're out there. 
you know, so if, if you're very payment conscious and the first home you buy is a two bedroom, two bath, and you're not willing to keep it as a rental property, right? A lot of people say, you know what, Robert, I just don't want to mess with that. I understand I can build wealth, but I don't want to deal with the hassle of having to collect rents and, and hire a property manager. And that just does not sound appealing to me at all. Uh, so when I'm done with a house, I'm going to sell it. I'm not going to keep it. I'm not going to rent it out. That's just not for me. Uh, I think that's a mistake, but I understand there are people that feel that way. So if you buy a, a two-bedroom, two-bath house, right, it's really hard to raise a family in a two-bedroom, two-bath house. And, and so you're kind of setting yourself up to have to make another move where if someone bought a, you know, a four-bedroom, three-bath house, right, now they've got some room to grow. Now, look, I am not advocating going out there and, and, and strapping yourself and buying too much house. And the reason I don't even worry about that anymore, Rob, is as an industry, we won't let you do that anymore, right? Mm-hmm. There, there are no more stated income loans. I mean, there's a, a couple out there, but no, no reputable institutions uh, are doing stated income loans. It's all this kind of back of the envelope. We're going to sell you the house under an LLC so we can skirt the law, and it's a big mess. But so there's no more stated income. There's no more negative amortization. See, th- these were all the tricks that mortgage companies use to help people buy too much house. So what I will tell you is if, if we qualify you for it in today's guidelines, in today's market, then you could afford it, okay? And, and so buying the right amount of house, buying the amount of house you can afford, uh, but on the upper end of your scale, I think is, is a good decision. Now, I'm not talking about go crazy and you know max yourself out and you need this lavish house, but if you're looking at a two-bedroom, two-bath house or a three-bedroom, two-bath house or a four-bedroom, two-bath or a four-bedroom, three-bath house, You've got to think about the long-term implications. You've got, you know, I would even advocate, hey, maybe move a little further outside of, of town and get the bigger house so that you have room to grow into it. Uh, because again, the, the worst thing that can happen is you buy the two-bedroom, two-bath house today, and then all of a sudden uh, you're expecting twins and you decide that the two-bedroom, two-bath house just isn't going to work. And now you've got to quickly sell it and buy another house. And now you're going to experience the sales costs, the soft costs, right? The cost to hire a real estate agent or the cost to try to market the property yourself, the cost to pay the closing costs on behalf of the buyer, which happens in most cases. Uh, you know, there's dock stamps, there's taxes in Florida that the seller pays. There's all these costs, the moving in, the moving out costs. Uh, and so if you buy too little house up front, uh, you, you're more likely to find yourself in this situation of needing to move out too soon, needing to sell too soon, and negating the financial benefits. Remember, the whole point of this conversation is the financial side of home ownership, right? I'm not talking about the emotional side, you know, that, that a home is a great place to raise a family and a home is a great place to put down roots and the stability it brings to your life. I'm talking purely financial. Buying a home and reselling it too quickly costs you money because there are our costs involved in buying and selling real estate. It's, it's a reality. It's a fact of life. So where I wish, you know, I, I would, I, the reason I don't tell people, Rob, to go ahead and buy the home on the 15-year mortgage up front uh, is because that's going to limit how much house you can buy. And you're probably going to find yourself buying less house. And you're probably going to find yourself buying a level of house that you are not happy with. And now you are going to have to sell that house too quickly, uh, which is a big financial mistake. So we start on the 30-year mortgage. Because look, I'm a big fan of the 15-year mortgage. I you know, I think people should try to pay homes off. I think it's, I think it's a big deal. I think having that mortgage burning party that's gone away is huge. I think if we had all, instead of upgrading to McMansions in 2003, four and five had upgraded ourselves to shorter term mortgages, uh, we would be sitting here with a bunch of free and clear houses right now, instead of a recovery from a housing crisis. So the, the 15 year mortgage is powerful, but I don't think it's the right tool to use when you're buying your first home because it's going to limit you're buying power, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so, so you buy the home on the 30-year, right? And, and maybe you stretch 50 bucks a month or 75 bucks a month, a little bit. You stretch a little bit so you can get the three-bedroom or the four-bedroom instead of the two-bedroom. So it's something that you can really be happy in, right? And now three years down the road, uh, you're making a little more money, right? You know, everybody's getting some kind of raises. Everybody's doing a little better at work year after year, even if it's not a lot. Some people do really well. You know, some people from the time they buy their first home uh, to when they, uh, three years later, uh, they're making substantially more money. You know, maybe they've gone into a supervisor role or a management role or a senior management role. You know, these these things happen in people's careers. And so the, the circumstances you were in when you bought the first house, right? And so they, again, this is where if you bought the two-bedroom house, you're like, well, I, I'm a manager now. I got to get a bigger house. I'm going to sell this thing and buy a new one. You just cost yourself money, right? So if you buy the a little bit bigger house up front, and so again, let's put ourselves back in that kind of first-time home buyer situation. Uh, your down payment is probably low, right? Most people are putting down 3.5%, 5%. And so they're going to have mortgage insurance, right? 
And maybe your credit score wasn't all that great at the time. I'm not, I'm not saying bad, but it wasn't perfect, right? So maybe your credit score was in the 660 to 680 range. So the interest rate was a little bit higher. The PMI was a little bit higher. And now, three years later, you're making more money at work. You've been listening to the show, so you've improved your credit score, and you're up in the 700s now. And your home value has gone up, and the balance has gone down. So now you're in a situation where you could refinance to a 15-year loan, eliminate the PMI, get a great rate because your credit score is better, and you can afford the extra couple bucks a month to go to a 15-year, right? And now you're going to pay the home off. If we had 30 years, and we've been there for three, we had 27 left. So if we go to a 15-year, we're going to cut 12 years off of the backside of this mortgage. You're going to own that home free and clear 12 years sooner. A lot of people say, well, Robert, in the, in the 15 year, you're going to double my payment. You know, if 30 years costs, you know, $1,000, doesn't that mean 15 years will cost $2,000 a month? Doesn't it double the payment because it cuts it in half? And the answer is no. Uh, because of the way interest compounds and because of the fact that the 15 year uh, mortgage rates are lower than the 30 year mortgage rates, uh, the increase isn't all that great. And then we take into account that you probably had PMI and now you're not going to need it this time around. Right. So let's just run a quick example here, Rob. Let's say somebody bought a house for $100,000 three years ago. Right. The, uh, the, let's say they got a 4.5% rate, which three years ago, probably about where they would have been, two and a half years ago, somewhere mm -hmm. in there. Uh, you know, again, maybe their credit score wasn't perfect, so the rate's a little bit higher because they had a credit score that was below a 740. Uh, so at that 4.5% rate, $100,000 mortgage, the principal and interest would be $507. And let's say they did an FHA loan, so they're going to have the mortgage insurance of $112. Okay. So we're looking at a total payment before the taxes and insurance of $617, okay? 617 bucks. All right. Three years later, they're going to owe around 98000 on that house. If they bought it three years ago from now, the home has gone up in value significantly, so they would be able to refinance and get rid of that PMI. And so let's say today they go into a 15-year a loan, and that rate's going to probably be somewhere in the three and a quarter range because, again, the 15-year rates are lower. We're going to assume their credit score is higher. And we're going to assume they now have enough equity to eliminate the PMI. So the new payment, the new payment is going to be $689. That's it. We were paying $617 because we had private mortgage insurance. That was on a 30-year. And now three years later, with a good credit score, what rates have done, everything else, uh, a 15-year loan would only cost you $72 more per month. So for $72 more a month, you can cut the last 12 years off of your mortgage. So much right? money. And, and we're talking, that's $80,000, $90,000, right? Yeah. So the... You know, the, the 72 bucks a month is going to cost you, you know, 15 grand over the next, you know, 15 years, roughly. But it's going to save you $85,000, $90,000 in payments for those 12 years afterwards. You know, and, and again, for uh, most people can find an extra 72 bucks in, in, their, in their monthly bills. You know, if, if you're, say you bought, it was a $200,000 house, double all those numbers, right? So now you're talking as 144 bucks a month to cut 170000 off the back end of the mortgage. Oh. So, I mean, it's just, it, it's so powerful. And so many people don't take advantage of this. And, and they, you know, they don't look at the power of refinancing into a shorter term loan. There's even more financial empowerment coming up as you're saving thousands with Robert Palmer. And it's the holiday season. And I know that that means so many of you will be getting in your car and you'll be going different places or a train, plane, bus, whatever you're doing, you're going to be maybe leaving the area of this radio station's coverage. And as you do that, you can still take our financial empowerment courses with you. If you go to savingthousands.com, there's a place where you can hit the stations, station listings that is. And if you hit on that tab, it's going to show you a map of the Southeast and where the next station is up the road or down the road or across the state, wherever you'll be able to see that station when they carry Saving Thousands with Robert Palmer. All right, that's pretty cool. You can also go to thesavingthousands.com and you can replay any of the shows by topic that you wish by simply going through the radio shows tab, seeing that list of shows, looking at the topics and clicking on them. All right. And so you'll be able to keep with us that way. Take us along on your trip. We won't take up much room and we don't eat much, but we sure do love to give you financial empowerment. Well, Robert, I love it on the show when we get a chance to talk about the changes that you have helped make in the mortgage industry. And I remember it was early in our first year of doing our radio broadcast that you started talking about approvals, pre-approvals, and people were going out and finding a home and they were going to some mortgage company and 
with very little documentation, with a little more than a conversation, they walked out with an approval. Well, you saw a lot of weaknesses in that. You saw a lot of broken hearts when people fell in love with the house but couldn't qualify. So you made major changes in how people were approved. Tell us about how that all came about. When you look at the tax benefits of having a mortgage, when you look at uh, the uh, basically the the other places you can put your money. I mean, the fact that right mm-hmm. now you can get a mortgage in the in the threes, right? You know, and and then where else are you going to get money that cheap? So my philosophy is, hey, I'm always going to finance a house. Obviously, I'm a little jaded because I'm in the mortgage business, but That's right. you know, I'm going to finance my own house. Uh, no matter how much money I ever had, I would still finance my my primary residence. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's the tax benefits are there. Uh, it's just it's a great thing to do. It's a it's a great way to borrow money very cheaply. You know, I can use that money in business investments instead sure. of the cash to buy a house. You can use that money to put your kids through college. If you have any credit card debt, you should obviously pay that off before you ever considered paying cash for a house. Pay your cars off. I and mean, there's a lot of other things I think mm-hmm. that don't have the tax benefits, don't have as favorable of interest rates for the long term, right? Because what you got to think is when you lock in a 30 year fixed rate uh, in the threes. Right. What uh, what are rates going to be 10 years from now, 15 years from now? And you're still sitting here locked into that low rate. And that's where that's where, you know, people get wealthy. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they take advantage of a huge arbitrage by getting a 30 year fixed rate mortgage at what are ridiculously low interest rates. I mean, really, rates. If you had told me seven years ago that we would see interest rates as low as we saw 18 months ago, as low as we see now, I would have laughed at you. Yeah. I mean, I would I would have actually said it's just not physically possible. There is no way that a long bond that a 30-year bond could ever price that low. Mm -hmm. And here we sit. And it's absolutely amazing. I mean, the the downside to it is obviously people are getting 0% on their checking accounts, 0% on their savings accounts. But you can do really well in the market. I mean, that's what's amazing. You know, there's there's people doing really well in the stock market. So while fixed income and fixed income assets and savings accounts and bonds aren't paying out very well, the market's done great. Mm -hmm. You know, the market's done great since it started this, this massive rebound. And a lot of people have made good yield. And so if you if you took that cash and paid cash for your house, you know, great, you're saving yourself three and a half, four percent interest. Or you could have taken all that money and stuck it in the market and and made a whole lot more over the last couple of years. So that's that's my advice to people. That's my advice to myself. You know, so so what happens then is when you go home shopping, if your intention is to finance said home, mm-hmm. now you gotta know you can get the mortgage. You gotta get the pre-approval letter. And that's what we're gonna talk about today, right here on Saving Thousands is what that means. And so here's what I want you to understand, Rob. Whether you're buying a house or selling a house, the pre-approval is important, right? Because for the home seller, if you let a borrower, if you let a potential buyer put your house under contract and they've got a bogus pre-approval letter, right? So they, mm-hmm. I come in, Rob, you're selling your house, right? And you think you're going to move back to the Ozarks, right? And I've got a timetable, remember. Yeah, Everything's right. on a timetable. That's right. So you, you think you're going to close on your new house, Exactly. You know, outside of Central Florida, because you're leaving, you're taking off, you're retiring, you're gone. And so I say, well, okay, Rob, well, I need 60 days to close, right? So we're going to write up a contract, and I'm going to give you a pre-approval letter that says I, I should be able to get financing. That's the hope. And then you take your house off the market for 60 days, and you go about your business. And, uh, and you know, so from then, what if something goes wrong, right? And so, so during the 60 days, you are getting everything lined up. You're preparing as the seller to buy your new house. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, right before closing, something blows up because it turns out your buyer was never actually qualified. They never yeah. actually could get the mortgage. And this happens a lot more than you would think. Hmm. And here's why. At most mortgage companies, the pre-approval is issued by the salespeople with no oversight from any other department. Right? Wow. And as crazy as it sounds, so let me just give you an idea of how much oversight we put the, pro- the person through before we will actually give them a dime. Right. Mm-hmm. So in the mortgage business... The, the sales guy can issue the pre-approval with no oversight, but before we will actually send a dollar of our money to the closing table to fund your new mortgage, we're going to have that file looked at by a processor, an underwriter, a closer, a funder, right? And we even run some quality control checks on it through our quality control department, right? So before we will give you a dollar of our money, in the, and this is standard in the industry, everybody does this part the same way, there are five levels of oversight because we want to make sure that sales Great. guy didn't make a mistake before we give you any money. But they, most companies will let the sales guy give you the pre-approval letter with zero oversight, none, mm. zero. And and so what we talked about yesterday is how some of these mortgage companies will pay their sales guys up to $8,000 in commission, or even mm-hmm. more. You know, My example yesterday was was making that this company pays 400 basis points, which is 4%. If they did a $400,000 loan, the commission would be $16,000. I mean, it's, just, it's insane. <laughs> but anyway, nuts. I digress. So that sales guy, some of them will just say, well, hey, we'll just throw everything up against the wall and see what sticks. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll get lucky. Like, I don't think he's going to qualify, but 
let me give him a pre-approval letter anyway. Maybe I'll get lucky because I'm only closing two deals this month. And and if he pulls it out, you know, maybe his credit score will go up. Maybe he'll find the money. Maybe he'll get a, a stable job between now and finding a house. Who knows? Let's <laughs> roll the dice. Let's give him a pre-approval letter. And because there's no oversight from the lender, there's no oversight from the actual company who is going to send the money, who is actually going to approve the loan, the, the, the pre-approval is completely worthless. And so this creates two big problems. One, you've now got a buyer who thinks they're getting a home mm-hmm. and they're giving notice on their apartment. You know, they're out getting the electric turned on. They're showing the kids the new school they're going to be going to. They're showing pictures of the house to everybody and their brother. And all of a sudden they find out they don't qualify. And now what? And then on the flip side of the transaction, you've got a seller who thinks they're going to get $200,000 cash in the next couple of months for their house so they can go buy a new house or they can go on a cruise around the world or whatever their plans are. And it it doesn't happen because the buyer never really qualified. And so my solution to this was to put oversight in place during the pre-approval process. Mm -hmm. And when I did this, Rob, when we first did this at RP Funding, I expected it to be very expensive. Right. Because in my mind, I'm thinking, well... Right now, I don't have to pay anyone. I don't have to pay any of these highly, highly compensated members of the underwriting department <laughs> to validate pre-approvals. Uh, we only have them look at files that are that are toward closing and that already have houses under contract and that are already serious. And now I'm going to have them look at all these pre-approvals that may or may not ever turn into mortgages. Man, this is going to cost me a lot of money. That's right. But I said, you know what? It's okay. It's worth it. Uh, I do not want to further perpetuate the cancer in our industry, which is giving people false hope of buying a house. If this is the first time you've listened to our show, or the hundredth time, you have no doubt discovered a common thread. And that is Robert Palmer's passion for making sure that you are never caught off guard, that when you get into any kind of financial transaction, that you're in charge. And that's what it's all about. There's nobody during the time that we're on this chosen radio station, there's nobody from our broadcast center trying to sell you anything. Have you noticed that? The stations may independently put some advertisements here or there, but when the show is originated in the studios of RP Funding and the Robert Palmer family of companies, we're not asking you for any money. Our websites don't ask for memberships or money or subscriptions. Everything that Robert teaches in any medium comes to you absolutely free of compensation and free of obligation. That's very important. That shows the passion, again, that Robert has for empowering you. As he loves to say with a smile on his face, taking you from a financial zombie to a financial ninja. All right? Kind of interesting, an awful lot of fun. So again, you have the radio shows, you have the 24-hour iHeart channel, which plays these shows over and over and over again. Go to iHeart and just put in the word Robert Palmer. All right? We also have the Saving Thousands app for your smartphone. Go to your Play Store, download the app. It doesn't cost you a cent. Or you can go to thesavingthousands.com. You can go to Estateavise, which I mentioned earlier, or a brand new website that we have pioneered out of our research department. They kind of did this one on their own. And it's called Real Prospector. Real Prospector. And that's kind of like you and the prospectors of old that were after gold. Well, property is gold. So this is, you're a real prospector and you'll become familiar with all things real estate. You'll become familiar with realtors and real estate people because I get the honor of interviewing you. That's real prospect. Well, until next time, I hope that you will follow the Saving Thousands rules and that you'll save thousands with Robert Palmer.